important. So uh, another reminder is that Immerse is coming up on Saturday, and so please don't forget about that. That's nine to nine. We do this three times a year to start each new season that's before us. So as we enter spring and summer, we want to dedicate these next few months to the Lord, and we want to basically get our hearts ready and to ask him to do things. So we're going to spend all day praying and fasting, worshiping together. You can come at any time, like always. You can come join us for an hour, two hours. You can come in the day, in the morning, at night. You can come all day if you want. Uh, we'll break our fast together at six. We'll eat together and just have some community, and then we'll have a, a rowdy worship night after that, and we'll praise the Lord together, all right? So come join us at any time. Uh, so I want to remind you, this is something that we prioritize because we actually believe that prayer is the work, that prayer moves the needle that things get done via prayer, uh, not via our good strategies, our whiteboard meetings, our resources, our money, none of that. We, get, we believe that prayer is what actually made things happen. Uh, so we want to dedicate ourselves unto the Lord in prayer. And so it takes dedication. So I encourage you to make it in your time and your schedule. We also, uh, because we are so committed to this, we have prayer sets running every night this week from 6.30 to 7.30, so you can come from Monday through Thursday and join us uh, to pray at night as well. And so I just encourage you, uh, don't do other things so you can do this. Make time commitments, schedule commitments, be devoted this week as we encourage uh, ourselves to be devoted to prayer and to trust the Lord. So uh, we're all in this together for that, and I hope you can come see us this week as we decide to pray together. Today we're being in Ephesians chapter 4, so go ahead and open your Bible. Let's go. Let's go. All right, we're excited to hear from the Lord. Today's message is called Out with the Old and In with the New. It is not about your boyfriend or that bum or the people in your life that you don't like. It is not about the job that you wish would be done and you could start something new. It's actually not about any other thing around you or the people around you or the circumstances around you. As a matter of fact, unfortunately, it's about you. And it's about me. And it's about Jesus and how we were supposed to be becoming more like him. It's about moving out of some areas of our life that don't honor him and moving in to the new life that he has called us to in every arena, in every area of our life. It is about becoming more like Christ. So go ahead and we're going to read verses 17 through 24. Verse 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, to greedy, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Uh, what I offer to you this morning, really what God offers to you this morning is real life change and transformation. Maybe to those of you who are not yet Christians, this is God's invitation to realize how real change happens in your life. And as we're going to point out, it starts with Jesus in the gospel. I hope you at least give the next 30 minutes a listen to understand what might be going wrong with your life and how to get it on the right track through Jesus. I just have three words for you today, okay? This is gonna be easy for you to, to catch and to go with 
hopefully on your way home. Leave, learn, and live, all right? These are the three words essential to putting off the old and putting on the new. Leave, learn, live. Leave, learn, and live. The first we'll start with is leave. As we see here, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. A very simple truth is that you cannot start a new way unless you leave an old way. You cannot start a new way unless you leave the old way. You cannot begin a new path while holding on to the old route. You cannot start a new habit that is the direct opposite of the old habit. You must leave the old way so you can start a new way. It says here in the passage, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Gentiles being the word used at this point just to describe people outside of God, people who do not follow Jesus, who are not a part of his family, and the gospel now being offered to the Gentiles, as all of us pretty much are as well, that we would believe and trust in Jesus. But he's saying, listen, you must no longer walk or live in the way people do that don't know God. You must no longer live the same way many of us used to live. You must no longer think the same way that you used to think. You must no longer make decisions the same way that you used to decide. You must no longer desire the same things you used to desire. To start a new way requires leaving an old way. Following Jesus is not a great addition to your life. Is it a complete reversal of your life? You don't add Jesus to your life. You substitute Jesus for your life, and he becomes your life. And some of us maybe have gotten into trouble because we thought we could add Jesus to our preferred way of living, when as a matter of fact, he's a substitute for our preferred way of living. Some of us are struggling because we're trying to move forward while hanging on to old ways. We're trying to start new ways without totally leaving the old way. We are becoming more like the world around us simply because we won't decide to leave the path that is set out around us. A new way cannot start unless you leave an old way. And the Lord is calling so many of you this morning and so many of us to leave certain ways of thinking, certain ways of living, certain desires in our heart, certain things that we do on a daily basis that we cannot move forward by adding something new until we leave something old. This is important for us because this is the path forward and some of us have such a hard time letting go of things that we love or letting go of habits that are ingrained in us or letting go of things that we think will make us happy that we are not even allowing ourselves to move forward in the way that will actually lead towards a flourishing life in Jesus Christ. So I want to unfold this a little bit more because these first three verses basically describe the status or the reality of someone that is apart from God. It says, in the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding. So there's a fog, there's a mental fog, an ambiguity, a lack of clarity on the truth. This results in being alienated from the life of God. To be alienated from the life of God is to be alienated from life itself. Life comes from him. This is really the reality of being separated from God because of our sin is that we're separated from real life. Our sins have separated us from God. Therefore, they have separated us from life. 
and therefore we walk every day in death apart from him. And the punishment of being in my sin for all of eternity is constant death away from the presence of God in a place called hell. It's to be separated from life. So this is the reality. And this might be the reality for some of you watching online or here in the room this morning. And I want you to understand that that's really what's going wrong with your life. He says, this is due because of the ignorance in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality and greedy to practice every kind of impurity. I want, I want you to understand something here about the hardness of their heart is that the issue really is not that they don't know or that you don't know, but that they don't want and you don't want. The issue comes down to the reality of our heart and what we really love and what we really want. And that becomes the determinative factor to lead in the direction of our lives. So when our hearts are hard, it leads towards a hard kind of life. When our hearts are numb towards the real things of God, it leads towards ignoring them. That we live according to the condition of our heart. This is why the Bible says, guard your heart, for out of your heart flows the springs of life. Your heart is the one making your decisions. The heart informed by the mind, but at the end of the day, it is the heart that's going to lead the way in your life. And reality is speaking to us saying, it's not because we don't know what we ought to do, it's because we don't want to do the thing we're supposed to do. That's the reality. You know there are certain things you ought not to eat if you wanna be in a certain level of shape, but you just don't want to eat those things. Nobody needs to explain to you. All these diets that keep coming out, I'm like, it's the same thing for all of time. We all know what to do. Nobody's like, oh my gosh, that works, you know? If I eat green food and exercise and don't eat sugar, like, oh, this is insanity, okay? Just, we all know what to do. The problem is not knowledge, it's we don't want to do the thing we're supposed to do. This is true spiritually as well for us. We know what leads towards a a fruitful spiritual life, we even know intuitively the things that are morally wrong and not because of how God has made us, regardless of whether we know Jesus or not. We simply don't want to do the things that we ought to do. Our hearts become hard. Now, here's the reality for this for us, and this is also important theologically as you think about this. The Bible says in Romans 1 that the creation has displayed who God is, and everyone knows this, but it says that they suppress the truth, meaning that there is not a single human being on planet earth who doesn't intellectually know about God's existence, but those who defy it, or who maybe even claim atheism or whatever, it's emotional, it's a want to, they know God is there, they don't want him to be there. That's been true for your life as well. You know God is there, but there are certain areas of life you prefer him not to be there, and so you just suppress the truth. And so the, the issue is never quite with what we know and always with what we want. And we're gonna learn how important what we know is. Obviously, people need to know the gospel. People don't know the way of Jesus. People need more clarity on this. We need to know the scriptures. So obviously, what you know is supremely important, and we're gonna learn about that in the second point. But the reality here is a condition of our heart. <clears throat> now, this is true for us. <laughs> this is important for you to write down and understand is that a callous heart leads to a careless life. So it says your heart becomes callous. So the end of all this, a futile mind, ignoring God, separated from the life of God, it ends with a callous heart, a heart that is hardened. And to be callous basically is to be numb from feeling, right? And now that the heart cannot feel, it also cannot discern between good and bad. 
We all know this reality in our experience in life when some of us get to the point where we're so frustrated, upset, when we begin to think in our hearts, what's the point? Our hearts become numb because of certain disappointments or struggles, and that area is never a place in which we make good decisions. A callous heart leads to a careless life. Now, this is the problem for some of you who are here watching online and you're not in Christ yet and you can't even feel the things you ought to feel because your heart has not yet come alive because it cannot apart from Jesus. So you're not even really living yet the full life that God has certainly intended for you and you simply cannot because your heart is hard apart from Christ. My heart was hard. All of our hearts are hard apart from Christ. And we need Jesus to come in and change that to give us, as the scripture says, a new heart, a heart of flesh. But some of us as well have taken maybe God's grace for granted and have not become aware of the fact that your heart can become harder over time. And as you allow your heart to become callous and hard, it will automatically lead to less godly decisions. And a hard heart, a callous heart, leads to a careless life. And because there's maybe been a lack of spiritual discipline or not spending time with God or maintaining certain habits or temptations you know you should get rid of and you're unwilling, without realizing then if you continue on in these patterns of life, day by day, your heart isn't staying neutral or in the same place. But as I ignore God and his commands, my heart becomes harder and harder, and it actually becomes more difficult to turn and to change later than it was before. And the harder my heart becomes, the worse decisions I make. I begin to live in a state of numbness, And therefore, because I feel numb or because there's no feeling in me or in my life, because I feel hard, therefore, I begin to make decisions to help me feel something. Now, this is how it works, ironically, in the world around us. I want to give you an analogy, right, as so many of you, have you ever got super glue in your fingers? Okay, it's the worst, most annoying feeling in the world. And I've never, you know, I never used super glue that much until I became a parent, you know? And then you super glue everything back together, you know? Toy breaks, super glue, whatever, super glue. The solution to everything is super glue or duct tape. So I have a bunch of super glue, and it comes out of that little tube, but somehow, somehow, it always manages, no matter how hard I try, because I hate the feeling so much to get on my fingertips. And you can't wash super glue off your fingertips. I I try to go outside of the driveway and I'm just like rubbing them on the concrete. You know, I'm like trying to find a way. The the feeling actually drives me nuts. And it's it's ironic because it's a feeling of no feeling. It's you begin to have this sensation in your fingertips where even if they were to touch something sharp or hard, you wouldn't feel it. And it actually is, is quite uncomfortable. Now, the reality of having super glued fingers is that because they are numb to the world around them, they cannot feel when they are in danger. A calloused finger could easily touch a burning stove or could get close to something sharp and it wouldn't hesitate or react as quickly as a one that's sensitive to these things. And so it is with your heart. When your heart is calloused or metaphorically covered in superglue, it doesn't sense the danger around it. It doesn't wince or react quickly to the pain that is inflicted upon it the ungodly behavior or the things you're thinking that you ought not to think or doing that you ought not to do. 
It doesn't do that. And even though the damage is still being made to the finger, I can't feel it or discern it. And so it is with the heart because my heart is numb. Damage is being made to it. And I don't even have the ability to assess the damage being made or to react to to stop it. That's how dangerous a hard heart is. And that's how we become when we neglect or ignore God's commands. Now, the irony of this in the world is that the world's way of living always promises life and to help you come alive. But the reality, as all of us have experienced, is when we try the ways of the world, we actually don't end up alive, but rather dead. And when I take the world's route to coming alive or to living a great life or to being happy, I end up less than and my heart becomes numb. But what do I do when my heart becomes numb and dead is I try more things of the world to try to get it to come alive. And then I end up in this hamster wheel of a circle trying worldly things because everyone says it makes you come alive, finding out that it actually makes me come dead. But because I feel dead, I want to keep trying other things just to come alive again. And this is the way you end up like this over and over again, not getting anywhere, but going darker and darker and darker and deader and deader and deader, all while attempting things the world says would come to give you life. And you and I have experienced this in our own lives in many ways, whatever it might be, whatever the world might have put in front of us, certain ways of success or relationships or pleasures of the world that promised life, but ended up making you feel dead on the inside. We also see this around us when people are successful, have fame, money, in status and are still depressed, anxious, and suicidal. It's not working. And so, but that, the, the trouble you get in is you find yourself numb because you tried things that make you feel dead. And then because you are numb and dead, you keep trying other things to come back to life. And you just do that over and over and over again until you end up totally in a place of hopelessness, darkness, and despair. That's why it says here in verse 19, it never stops. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. It's a slippery slope that leads to more and more indulgence. So the idea that I could dibble dabble with things that might make my my heart hard, but still maintain generally a softness of heart that's sensitive to these things and not slippery slope my way into more and more impurity is absolutely foolish. It's like when you grab a bag of chips and you say, I'm just gonna eat a couple. Oh, come on. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. You open the ice cream, you're like, just a scoop, just a scoop. You're like, what are you? I mean, why even lie to yourself? What's the point of saying that out loud? You know, it's not true. Nobody believes you. You don't believe yourself. Not just a couple. You need to have that same mindset with the temptations or the ungodly activity, ways of thinking in your life. It's never just a couple and it's not just a little bit. And the danger is it begins to take you farther. You know, you don't realize how many, yeah, you've eaten too many chips until you already feel sick. You don't realize it. But all of a sudden you sit there thinking, ugh, you know, and you regret it immediately. But it's not till you've already eaten too many. And the same is true with us spiritually to say, I don't realize that I'm overindulging in things not good for me until it's already too late and I'm feeling sick. And then you live in that spiral over and over and over again. Some of you, the way out of that spiral is to believe and trust in Jesus for the very first time, to stop living according to the ways of the world, to repent, to turn to Christ, trust in his life, death, and resurrection for your sins and take on the new life God has given you and called you to today. And for many of you, it is to do the very things you know you ought to do to trust and to follow Jesus. Now, so you have to leave. That's step number one. Now, here's what's important. 
because you and I both know that everything I just told you to do, you can't do. You know it, you know it. That's the trick of every sermon. Say, well, you know, pastor said I should do this. The Bible says I should do this. Well, when I know, you know, you know that there are things that you want too bad. And you say, well, I, I don't know how I'm actually supposed to change or to leave. And you actually, if those of you who are, you know, trying to follow Christ, you end up a lot of your life trying to do the things you're supposed to do, but never receiving the power needed to actually do them. And what I wanna do is this second step is show you how the first step happens. So these actually don't work in order. The second thing is more important than the first. It's learn. So leave, learn, and live. The second thing is learn. You and I both know that we cannot change in the ways we want. As I've said before, if you could change yourself, you would have done so already, all right? That's a bad strategy. How's that working out for you? It's not. So you and I need something else. And the issue here is we need to learn. Probably not the way you think though. Here's a phrase for you to write down. Is a new life starts with a renewed mind. Let me show you something that's here in the scriptures. I I thought it was pretty interesting. So verse 17, the issue is of the ungodly lifestyle is that they are futile in their minds. So verse 17, in the futility of their minds. So the issue is a a futile mind, a wrong way of thinking that leads towards a wrong way of living, that leads towards a hardened heart that is now incapable of thinking and living right. So the futile of mind, we're not thinking right. And all of us at some point, especially outside of Christ, we're this, and many of us are still struggling with this now. So it's the way you think. Now, the, the, the solution, look in verse 22, how this works. Okay, put off your old self, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Verse 24, and put on the new self. Here's what you and I do. We read the scriptures and we leave that middle part out. I need to put off the old self and I need to put on the new self. Here we go. I need to stop doing the wrong thing and I need to start doing the right thing. Here we go, here we go. Let me text my buddy. I'm not gonna do this anymore. Ask me about it on Wednesday, you know? They ask you about it on Wednesday and you say, shoot, you know? Then on and on you go. They say, okay, that's not actual progress. You say you wanna put off and put on. But what we miss is the, the, the statement that makes it possible. Put off the old self Put on the new self, but the chain that links the two together is to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. A new life starts with a renewed mind. This is all over the scriptures. So Colossians 3, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's the beginning section. The next 10 to 15 verses are all about behavior things, things you don't do and things you should do. The set up for understanding what you should do and should not do and being able to actually do it is setting your mind on things above. He says that first, Romans 12, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. We stop there. Don't be conformed, be transformed. Stop doing the wrong things the world is doing. Start doing the right things God wants you to do. How? Do not be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How is it that I go about changing my behavior? Romans 8 says the mind that is set on the flesh is death, but the mind that is set on the spirit is life and peace. So the question is, where are you setting your mind? And many of us are trying to put off 
and put on without renewing the spirit of our mind. Without allowing the Holy Spirit to change the way that we think. Now, still, some of this you could receive in a motivational self-help book and talk. The world talks about this. You should change the way that you think. You should change, you know, positive thinking. You should change the way that you think. The way you think and your mental makeup determines a lot of what you do, which is true. And the Bible has certainly revealed this to us spiritually. But here's the difference, and here's the difference maker. It always, the difference is found in Jesus. Look in verse 20. But that is not the way you learned how to behave. That's not what it says. Can you put 20 on the screen, Kyle? That is not the way you learned to do what is good and right. No, 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 no. That is not the way you learned what to put off and what to put on. That is not the way you learned what a good Christian does or does not do. That is not the way you learned what appropriate behavior was and was not. That is not the way, no, 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 it was a, that is not the way you learned Christ. Here's the difference maker. That is not the way you learned Christ. Look, it does it four more times, three more times, four times total. That is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So the link between an ungodly way of life and a wrong way of thinking and putting off the old self and putting on the new self is Christ. He's the difference maker. And it says that is not how you learned Christ. Here's something for you to write down and understand. Jesus is the teacher and Jesus is the subject matter. Jesus is the teacher and the subject matter. And here's where we have missed that we say, I need to learn from Jesus to do X and Y. You need to learn from Jesus about Jesus. You need to set your mind and attention on Jesus. He is not just the content creator. He's the content itself. It all comes and is about Jesus. You don't just learn from Jesus. You learn of Jesus. You learn to study. You need to learn who he is and what he's like. You need to learn his characteristics. Jesus is the teacher and Jesus is the subject matter. We need to learn who Jesus is and what Jesus is like. Now, why does this make the biggest difference in the world? Well, here's now when you understand how how it works. So when you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, you now, it says the Bible, you receive the righteousness of Jesus. You don't receive a new commandment to try to do better, which is certainly included, subheading. You receive the righteousness of Jesus for you, okay? And now Jesus and his perfect behavior becomes who you actually now are. And God looks upon you as his son, Jesus himself. So Jesus dies on the cross and he takes all of your sin, shame, regrets, and mistakes. Every single one of them, past, present, and future. And he pays for them all. They are gone. They are gone with the wind. They're gone. They're completely gone. 
They're on him, died for it, paid for. And now, instead of an empty slate and a new beginning, you get actual full slate. You get the perfect behavior, all the godliness, the sinless life of Jesus Christ begins to be, the Bible says, imputed to you, given to you. It becomes who you are. And now, because you trusted in Christ, you receive the righteousness of Christ. And here's why that matters. You are not supposed to become a better version of yourself. You are supposed to become everything Jesus already is for you. And you have spent so much time becoming a better version of yourself. This is exactly how the world tells you to make progress. And we have Christianized that in so many ways. But the goal is to not become a better Nate Crew. The goal is to not become a better person of yourself. The goal is to grow into everything Jesus already is for you. This is the beauty of the gospel. How does the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus change the way I behave on a daily basis? Well, it changes how I think, and it changes what I'm trying to become. So instead of me trying to get better, put off, put on, change my behavior so that God can love me or be pleased with me, or I can make some sort of Growth in life, you know, so that I can sit. That's how the rest of your life works. You try to do this and do this better so you can reach some sort of thing. And we do that in a Christian way of thinking, even though it's not Christian. You work the opposite way to say, man, I actually don't have what it takes and I'm a complete mess. Jesus died for my sin and he rose again. The spirit of God now dwells in me. And as I fix, if I just fix my attention on Jesus, I will little by little become more like Jesus. The goal for me is not to become a better, less angry, more peaceful, more financially stable, more pure version of myself. The goal is for me to day by day become everything Jesus already is for me. He is already perfectly pure. He is already perfectly loving and perfectly at peace. And instead of me trying to add those things to my life, now I study Christ. I fix my attention and my mind on him. I read through the gospels. I understand the scriptures. I spend time with him. And as I do so, something supernatural happens in my life. Something I cannot will up. Something I cannot determine to change. But as I look at him, and give him my attention and study his characteristics instead of me trying harder to do better, the spirit works under the surface and begins to make me more like the one I'm giving my attention to. And the reason why you cannot change is simply because you're not giving Jesus the time and attention so that the spirit can work underneath the surface and begin to do the work for you to make you more like Jesus. The goal is never to become a better version of yourself. And the goal is always to walk in everything Jesus already is for you. Some of y'all have actually been trying too hard. And today, you just need to give up and just fall back into the arms of Jesus. 
you have been trying too hard even to do good things, like be a better father, a better husband, a better worker, a better whatever. You've been trying hard to overcome habits in your life that you know are not healthy or good for you. You have been trying so hard. You feel so defeated. You feel so frustrated. You feel so hopeless. And today's message isn't to add two or three more things for you to try hard at to be a better person, but today's message is for you to give up, to stop trying on your own, and to fall into the arms of Jesus who already died for all of your sins and already lived a perfect life because you can't anyways. This is the gospel. Jesus has already done, both in his death and in his life, everything that you cannot do for yourself. Now, this is why spending time with him and your spiritual disciplines are so important. So here's the third one as we close, live. Leave, learn, and live. Leave, learn, and live. Live is to put into daily practice what you have learned from Jesus. Now, you still have to put in the effort to put off and put on. That's not being taken away from you. You don't sit in a meditative stance for the rest of your life, you know, and become more like Jesus. You still have to live, you still have to parent, you still have to work, you still have to deal with frustrations, you still have to fight the health in your body, you still have to do these things. You still have to fight the things that come into your head, you have to take captive every thought you have to do. Put off, put on, put off, put on. You still need to do that. But instead of you getting so tired and worn out by doing that on your own, when you connect with Jesus through the means in which he's given you, you now receive supernatural strength by the renewal of your mind to do the things he has called you to do, but no longer in your own power, but in the power he gives you by the Holy Spirit. So, man, it's hard to read my Bible. Well, it's also hard to live a hopeless life. It's actually much easier to read your Bible than to stay so hopeless. I'm going to say it's hard for me to get time in the word. Well, it's easier to get time in the word than to overcome your own anger by yourself. Do you enjoy being so overwhelmed and stressed? Do you enjoy snapping at people? Is that a characteristic of your life that you enjoy? Do you enjoy giving in to every lustful thought and feeling bad about yourself every few days? Is that a lifestyle that you enjoy? Do you enjoy feeling guilty and ashamed of the fact that you don't feel good enough all the time? Is that something that you enjoy? No, of course it isn't. I want you to understand now that the spending time in the word of God, praying, doing the things God has called you to do, fasting, being with the Lord, giving him your time and attention, silencing out the world, stop putting so many inputs and podcasts and all these things into your head. Give the Lord some space to speak to you. When you do these things, you are simply taking hold of God's divine gift to enable you to do the things supernaturally that you cannot do naturally. And you are choosing to keep doing it the hard way when you refuse to devote time and energy to Jesus. It isn't Christian legalism and it isn't following the rules. It's the way in which you receive supernatural power to live the life and to enjoy the benefits of knowing God. And maybe, maybe it boils down to a ton of the frustrations in your life are simply a lack of being devoted to the scriptures. 
and your mind is not being renewed. Just because you heard a sermon, I say this all the time, man shall not live by sermons alone, but every word that comes from God. You need the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes. You need the word of God to renew your mind on a daily basis so that as you proactively give yourself to Jesus, you turn the radio and the stuff off in the car. You pray and you think about Jesus. You try to wake up just a little bit earlier. You give Jesus some time and attention. You take some time at lunch and you're just structuring your schedule to make sure you are positioning yourself and receiving the help and the support God intends to give you so that you can finally change, be set free from certain things. You probably don't have to live as anxious as you're living. I know there are lots of factors to that and more than spiritual, but you probably don't have to live as hopeless as you're living. You probably don't have to live as defeated as you're living. You probably don't have to stay stuck in the same things over and over again. You don't have to feel so guilty and ashamed all the time if you would simply now just put your mind and attention on Jesus, receive everything that he is for you, and enjoy the work of the Spirit to make you more like him. And you would be surprised that if you devoted yourself to God, how you would, by happenstance, find yourself more victorious three months from now than you were today without ever waking up and thinking, I'm going to do better. And a year from now, you'd be so surprised to find yourself at so much more peace without ever having one day where you felt, I'm going to become a person of great peace. Two years from now, you'd find yourself handling frustrating situations without so much anger, without ever thinking, I'm going to be less angry. Why? Because as you devote yourself simply to Jesus and you give him your time and attention and you read the scriptures, the work of the spirit will happen on your behalf and you will slowly become more like him and you'll find yourself better than you were before. Because the Spirit of God can do what you cannot do for yourself. And Jesus has already done what you cannot do for yourself. That's why he says, it's not the way you learned Christ. Because you learned Christ. You didn't learn a new way of life. You didn't learn good habits. You didn't learn to do not do this or do this. The most important thing you learned was Christ. And in Christ, you learned certain things you certainly should do and not do, of course. But what you learned was Jesus. And what you need to learn every day is Jesus. Put off and put on. The final thought I want to give you, this put on idea here, is just as simple as this. It's like Jesus has bought you a raincoat, and I'm simply asking you not to leave it in the closet and then walk around all day wondering why you're so wet. Jesus has already provided the things that you need. You need to put them on. He's already given you the armor of God. You need to put it on. No wonder you're so easily offended. You're not holding the shield of faith. No wonder you believe lies so quickly from the devil and become insecure. You're not holding the shield of faith. You haven't put it on. No wonder you don't feel assured of your salvation and you feel guilty. You haven't put on the helmet of salvation. No wonder you have no desire to share the gospel. You haven't fit your feet with the gospel of peace. You see what I'm saying? You have to put on the things God has given you to live the life he has intended for you to live. But you're walking around. God gave you a raincoat and now you're getting wet and wondering why you're so anxious. You still got to put it on. He's already done it for you. He's already bought it for you, but you still have to join him in it, all right? So live, I mean, uh, leave, learn, and live. Out with the old, in with the new. And by the power of Jesus Christ, you can live and enjoy. The final phrase here is a life of true righteousness and holiness created in the likeness of God. Let's pray and respond to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. 
for the good news of the gospel, Lord, we all know how short we fall. We all know how many old habits we haven't let go of. We all struggle to move forward in life. So we just thank you for your patience and your grace. And thank you for the good news of the gospel that covers our sin. And I pray for those who don't know you yet, that they would turn and put their faith in you, that they wouldn't wait another second. And I pray for all of us that we would be encouraged, Lord, that there is a a way to change and there is a way to grow, but it's not to become better versions of ourselves, but to become more like you. So I pray that you would give us an increased desire to give you time and attention, an increased desire for your word, and that over time we would be surprised, Lord, how much the Holy Spirit has worked in the deepest places of our life. Thank you, Lord, that you work with us and that you're so patient with us. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand, and as we respond to the Lord, remember to respond and not go through a routine. So there will be a prayer team down front. If you need prayer or you want to put off and put on and and you need prayer for the Lord to begin to work in some areas of your life, please come pray. Or if you want to put your faith in Jesus, please come pray. Just respond to the Lord one way or another and make sure you don't just go through the motions.